One does not simply walk into geekdom. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. You're a nerd. Damn right. I'm a nerd. Naturally. All things geek are up for grabs. Music. Sketch comedy or sitcoms. Doctor Who. I love Tim. Bird. The Flash. Green Lantern. The Trinity. Batman. Superman. Wonder Woman. The Joker. Wait a minute. I want to talk about the Joker. Star Wars. Love me some Star Wars. Magic. I'm an art guy. Paranormal. Halloween is life. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. When we last left on the ambassadors, they were babbling on and on and on about their favorite movies of all time until they ultimately ran out of time. Now, let's jump right back into the thick of things where they talk about their favorite live-action television shows of all time. I think are you ready to move on to our favorite top 10 live action shows of all time yeah so we'll do the same format that we did the first time we'll list off our honorable mentions and we'll go back and forth 10 10 9 9 so on and so forth to get to number one and see what kind of a uh, nerd discussion ensues from this um, <laughs> i'd say a lot of minor mostly comedies looks like comedies and some comic book related stuff i must say two of the shows in my top 10 are fairly new shows. So Same here. <laughs> I want to bet you know which ones they are too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, feel so, like, I feel like our list is going to be very similar. <laughs> Do you have any honorable mentions that just missed the top 10? Uh, yes. And I'm just thinking of them kind of right now. Um, older shows, definitely. Um, my first one I like thought of was Faulty Towers. Um, absolutely love that one. That's on my Netflix list, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I I love it. It's just so utterly funny. Um, and a second one would have to be, um, oh, I just had it in my head. Um. Oh, it escaped. Uh, Mash. Mash. Yes. My dad was watching that when I came over to record with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I have like the entire all the seasons of Mash, and I I love them. I so could, is is Klinger your favorite Disney princess now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he beats out all the Disney princesses. Come on. <laughs> yeah yeah it's another one of those where like i can yeah i I never get tired of watching them and i can you know reference them and quote them and it's just you know it's still funny um and then 
Uh, I think that yeah, that's it for my for my two honorable mentions that were gonna be in my list, and I'm like, no, I, I gotta no. I got five honorable mentions. Oh wow! Well, let's find out yeah. what they are. And you know what? It's funny. Is I got all four of these, all five of these shows in my honorable mentions. I have, own all of them on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> so my first two are pretty similar, and it's Jackass and mm. Viva La Bam. I was very into Viva La Bam, Bam Margera in particular, of all the Jackass guys back in the day, and I just him and his crew, Ryan Dunn, R.I.P. Um, his spinoff show I loved so much better than was it Wild Boys with Pontius and Steve-O. Because so I thought that stuff that Bam actually did off-camera was mess with his parents to do all this weird stuff. Um, another show I have on here, it's fairly new, but it's it's already ended its run. It's Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. That's one, thing I, one thing I didn't mention in my last, last episode is I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, and I would put... I would, Make him a candidate, maybe for nerdy Mount Rushmore. Um, he wouldn't be a for he wouldn't be a first ballot like Stan Lee or George Lucas, but no, he he would he would have his place there, but he wouldn't be the first choice. No. Uh, he he's definitely an acquired taste for fans. Um, probably one of the oldest shows I have on my list is The Munsters, is on my. Uh, Honorable mentions. It was my number ten. Mm. And when I was laying in bed last night. I thought of another one for number ten. I bumped it out. <laughs> and when it comes down to the Monsters versus the Adams Family, I love. I honestly love them both. When it comes to TV, I love the Monsters more. Mm. But when it comes to the movies, I love the Adams Family more. And my last time I'll mention is a sketch show from the nineties is in living color. Mm. It's when Jim Carrey first made it big, really. Um, I do love sketch comedy. It's my second favorite sketch comedy show of all time, beating out Saturday night live. And I think the only reason why that hurts in living color is a lot of the jokes are stuck. A lot of the references and jokes are stuck in the time the early nineties because if you're not familiar with the show, it's run by the Wayne's family, essentially Marlon Wayne, uh, no, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayne's is a big showrunner, and his brother, Damon Wayne's and Sean Wayne's Marlon Wayne's and their sister, Kim Wayne's all big parts of that show. And a, a lot of it had to do with like Rodney King and Spike Lee. So a lot of early, 90s racial tension that was happening in the, in the United States back in the early 90s. So that's, the jokes are still funny now. I have the f- first four seasons on DVD, and I, I watched this show. I was like in fourth grade, and I watched this show. So a lot of the jokes at the time went over my head. But a lot of the – I think Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey had some of the most memorable characters ever in TV history, like Fire Marshal Bill or uh, – uh, Homie the Clown are some of the biggest characters in my mind for pop culture TV. But I just think that I think I just think that a lot of the jokes and the issues that it deals with are just stuck in that time frame for the most part. Like, not to go too far in the political spectrum here, but that's the only thing I'd say I'd heard it. But I do love it more than I do love in the uh, Saturday Night Live. 
But I do have another sketch comedy show in my number one spot, actually. Wow. Foreshadowing. <laughs> so, what, is, what is your number 10? My number 10, and I actually like had a hard time with what my number 10 choice would be, but uh, my number 10 is Corner Gas. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a Canadian TV show. I have not. Yeah, it's it's like... It's not like Letterkenny, but it's like it's set in this fictional town of Dog River, and um, it kind of um, sort of sets around the, like this gas station corner store, and then like a little cafe on the like next door, and it's basically like all their uh, like all the quirky characters, and basically all the like the going through their daily lives and the, the stuff that they get themselves into. And it's actually quite funny. It, it's a, a quite funny show. Is that on any streaming services? Do you know? Uh, will, I be able to, will I be able to find it anywhere? You might be able to find it. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it like on things like Netflix or whatever, but you would probably be able to find it. It's fairly recent. So It's called Corner Gas. Yeah. I do love my Canadian shows. I had a bunch of Canadian shows I wanted to put on my list, but I just to make the cut like uh Shit's Creek is a funny one. Or uh Young Drunk Punk is another good one. And Trailer Park Boys, but neither of those made my list. Mm-hmm. I'll take your word for it, it's a good show. I'll see if I can find it somewhere. Yeah. Definitely enjoyable. Really good. I followed it for um few seasons is it uh fairly new or is it like 90s early 2000s uh sort of like your middle 2000s kind so of not, not too not too bad no well, my number 10 that beat out the monsters was the muppet show ah uh, yes I don't know why I didn't think of it when I was first doing my initial run last night, the other night, but the Muppet Show, the OG Muppet Show from the late seventies, early eighties. Jim Henson was a freaking genius, and I look back and think of some of those classic moments from that, and like Milton Berle messing with Statler and Waldorf, or the Vincent Price episodes, or the Alice Cooper episode. Just classic moments, and. And some of the guest stars in like that first season, I ne- never never heard of a lot of them, but they have so many classic moments in there. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Rita Moreno singing uh, Fever with Animal playing drums in the background. And I know for a fact, fun piece of trivia, for you listeners at home, me and Melissa actually have the same favorite Muppets. And who are they? <laughs> well, we like um, well the Electric Mayhem. Yes. Um, oh, what's his name? Floyd Pepper and oh boy, Doctor Teeth. Teeth. Floyd Pepper. Janice. Janice. Zoot. Zoot. Animal. Animal. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the trumpet player? Oh, it, oh, it's escaping me. Which is he, has, he doesn't make too many appearances with them, but oh. now it's so my mind too. But I think it's a reference. I think it's a reference to Louis Armstrong. Um, I'll I'll look it up. But yeah, 
Well, oh, I should know this, but I, I cannot remember. Me too. You're good. Uh, they're all at home like, oh, that's not your favorite characters. Hey, <laughs> get off of get off of us. He's not the most well known member of the band. A lot of you probably couldn't even name Zoot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh one of my favorite lines from the Muppet movie though is golden teeth and golden tones, so welcome to my presence. <laughs> or if you remember the at the dance segments they did on the Muppet show. Yes. When uh Dr. Teeth was dancing with was her name Mildred? Yes. Uh the the, the purple lady with like the yeah. granny hair and the glasses. And uh she asked Dr. Teeth, Do you believe honesty is the best policy? And Dr. Teeth replies, another crack like that in your best policy would be an insurance policy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what is your... Oh, Lips is the name of the trumpet player. Lips, because yes. I don't think he made too many appearances in the show with them. I think no. he was. I, th- I think he was in the Pit band. Yeah. But the first time I remember him being in the band was uh, the Great Muppet Caper movie. Yeah. Oh, what is your number nine favorite show? Live action show. My number nine is The Walking Dead. It's a good one. Yeah, I I fell, uh, I fell off that bandwagon, but it. I did too. Um, I got up to the point uh, where they got to Negan, and I really no, I I didn't I didn't get into that at all. So yeah, I kind of fell off that that bandwagon completely. But it was my friend Michelle who totally loved The Walking Dead and was like, you need to watch this. You need to watch at least two seasons and then get back to me. Like, we'll talk. And I'm like, okay. So I watched the two seasons and I, yeah, I was hooked on it. Oh, the show was great. Oh, it was so good. It was just so well done and, and just, yeah, it was uh, e- like very easy to get into, I found anyway. I fell off right around the time of uh, Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And my thing was, oh, I seen a girl at the time, and she was into it, and I I jumped off around that point before, and I started catching up because I I stopped. I haven't had cable in years, and uh, Walking Dead was not available on Hulu, mm. so I just fell behind on it, and I started catching up again. And we got to the part of Terminus, and there's like Terminus, 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 like tagging it every episode. And you finally get the terminus, and Carol wipes everybody out in ten minutes. Yeah, like, like you've been <laughs> building this for a half a season. <laughs> she wipes everybody out in ten minutes, and it's really and I just kind of like. And I, I caught a lot of stones for the governor being my favorite character. I loved the governor. I, I as much as I, you know, obviously, like you gotta like hate him, right? Because yeah. he's just. It's, it's, it's very Jack. He was, he played it. He played it very Jekyll and Hyde. He did like he, he could had like neutral guy, like this regular guy, and then he could just turn the, the table and just oh. When, he, when he's out, when he's out in the public, addressing people over, he's vote for me. Like hey, I'm I'm all right. And then when he goes into his 
his private quarters and he's got the floating heads and he's sitting there brooding like, oh, this guy is doing great. This is this is great uh, <laughs> character play here. Mm-hmm. And even though I jumped off before they got to Negan, I was still aware of who Negan was. And I've been intrigued to go back because of Negan just to see how it was played. Yeah. But I just haven't. I just I feel like I've been too far out of the fray to go back. Mm-hmm. Like I've like I thought about going back to watch it too, and I I don't know. Like I just he's this like megalomaniac kind of character, and I don't feel like he fits into that world at all. Like I just I don't see it, and like I kind of found it was a little bit like predictable in the sense of like okay they've got okay, they have a peace for a little while, and then, oh, there's something new coming around. And it just, that's where I sort of fell off, too. Like, it was just, okay, I'm tired of the same old thing. It seems a bit different this season, like, you know, things going on, and I just know through the grapevine of friends watching it and stuff. But I don't know if if I want to go back and watch. I don't know. I'm on the fence. (laughs) I I have... I haven't made up my mind yet. There's so many other good shows out there right now. And mm-hmm. I'm in my time of year. I don't have time to sit and binge watch a whole show unless it's animated shows, which I'm sure we'll talk about in that episode on Netflix. But uh, my number nine is also a comic book show. It's fairly new. It is Doom Patrol on the DC <laughs> Network. <laughs> <laughs> I love Doom Patrol. <laughs> It is so far out there, and I've told Melissa still slowly catching up because of how our availability is to watch it. Our our availability is different from each other's, and every episode is weird. And the next episode, oh, you thought last week was weird? Hold my beer. And when you see who it's well, first of all, Doom Patrol is essentially DC's X Men. And it came out before X-Men did. Well, fun fact, I think it beat X-Men by a month or two. They both came out in 63. I want to say Doom Patrol was August of 63. But uh, this is based off of Grant Morrison's portrayal. And I think it's got some of Gerard Way's sprinkled in there, too. And I'm just now starting to read Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol. But knowing his Batman stuff and some of his other writings, I... I know Grant Morrison's out there after hearing him talk on podcasts and stuff. So it's a good fit. And the universe they create, it it just suits the weirdness so well. And they had a lot of heavy episodes, but then they keep it light. Like the other DC original shows out there now, I'm only one episode in the Swamp Thing right now. But uh, the other live action show that came out with Titans, Titans is heavy too. But Doom Patrol has that right amount of lightheartedness to break up all the heavy character development. And, and Melissa can probably back remember this, the character development in this show is heavy. Like these characters carry some walking dead level baggage with them. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, yeah, I, I love the show. It's, uh, it's great. I love that they're just like they're all these very different personalities they all have their own layers of stuff that they're dealing with, but they all kind of just, you know, they end up coming together. And, 
Yeah, and like Robot Man is like my favorite character ever. Robot Man oh. is the best. Yeah, my favorite episode so far is the Therapy Patrol when <laughs> Robot Man was just Admiral <laughs> Whiskers. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was dying laughing. This is how like Robot Man's trying to like okay everybody share be in therapy and and he's like just reacting to each thing and. It's so good. <laughs> and, uh, me and Melissa and I were talking about this in the middle of the Denver airport. <laughs> I'm in line at TSA <laughs> to fly back home. and We're talking about Alan Tudyk's fourth wall breaking narration in this movie, in this show, because this is what really brings it together. It's the cherry on top of this Sunday is Alan Tudyk plays the main villain, Mr. Nobody. And this takes fourth wall breaking to a whole new level with his narration. <laughs> the fact that his narration dictates what's happening in the episodes. <laughs> it's just, I love Alan Tudyk to begin with. And ever since I saw him in uh, dodgeball, I've loved Alan Tudyk. And when I heard he was casting the show and watching his character, like these are characters I, I think I've heard of Doom Patrol in name only. Knew nothing about any of the characters, especially Mr. Nobody. And then watching Alan Tudyk break, break the fourth wall to a whole new level with this commentary, it just takes the cake. And I'm so sad that it's over now. It's over for me, but Melissa's still watching it. But yeah. if of the main shows, this is probably, I will probably go back and rewatch Doom Patrol again before the next season comes out, or if I get some downtime, I'll watch Doom Patrol again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, as of this recording, I have not heard any announcement of a second season, which I hope it does. I know Titans has received one, and as of this recording, there's only been one episode of Swamp Thing available. But I really do hope that Doom Patrol gets another season or they pop up in another venue. Mm-hmm. I hope they do too. That would be awesome to have another season. They could do so much with these characters. Like this season has been very much like your introduction to all these characters and learning about them. And now like second season can go even could go even weirder and deeper into these characters. So as a, of all the personalities of Jane you've met so far, for those who don't know, Crazy Jane has 64 personalities, and I think we, we, haven't, we haven't even met a third of them. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite Jane personality you've met so far? Um, oh, what's... Um, so, why can't I think of it? Um, Hammerhead. Oh, Hammerhead? Yes. I think Hammerhead probably gets used the most. Yeah. I'm going to take a left turn because it's so weird. I'm going to say Karen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Karen. Oh. Karen. She's Karen. Because just... <sighs> <laughs> it's, it's such a random personality for her to have. <laughs> a person that's obsessed with romantic comedy, 90s romantic comedies and stuff. And you find out why it's because she has mind control <laughs> abilities. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I do like baby. I do like baby doll and uh, penny farthing too. Hammerhead's good, and so is uh, silver tongue. Yeah. But when we go into yeah, you've gone to the other underground, haven't you? Yes. 
So they show a lot of her other personalities that we haven't met yet, but I hope we get to meet some more of those personalities next season. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. That would be awesome to see. Oh. Yeah. What is your number eight? My number eight uh, is that 70s show. That is a good one. I didn't even think about that one. <laughs> I didn't think about it either until it was like, yeah. Because I used to watch that like religiously. I did it too. TV. It would come on TV at like 7 o'clock. You know, I think it was it every day. I think it was. And it's, start, uh, it's, start, it's starting to get reruns down here, down in the States on Ion TV. Okay. I, I, I used to have the first six or seven seasons on DVD. It'd be something I'd go back to every now and then. Yeah, I have, uh, I think I have all the seasons because I got like the box set. Did it go eight seasons? I think so. Because yeah. I think the only season I didn't have was one that uh, Topher Grace wasn't in. Yeah. Uh, the last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get into that last season. Like, it just got... I think there everybody's getting tired of it, and some of the characters, some of the actors, are starting to blow up a little bit. So yeah, I, and like I could see that. Like you kind of you exhausted all the ideas and stuff, and then by the end, it's like okay, we're, we're done with this, and it's <laughs> we're just trying to yeah, end this, and then you know the well is getting a little dry for seventies references, and yeah. We're getting too close into the 80s and like, yeah. you know, that because that's not the and, and we And we saw that show and that show wasn't very good. That 80s show was, I think it just tried too hard. Mm-hmm. I could go on a tangent about shows there, shows and movies that take place in a certain time frame, particularly the 80s. And they just try to beat you over the head with references. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stranger Things is a good uh, show that does it subtly. They subtly reference 80s yeah they, but they i did, did i did love that 70s show yeah yeah i love that i can't i don't even know how i stumbled upon it but i just kind of did and i i loved it that was uh very good i would say if if i did like a top 20 or top 25 it, may, it might make the very lower end of that list mm-hmm. but it's still a good one yeah my number eight is also another sitcom, and mine's Mike and Molly. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I've, I know of it, and I, yeah, it's it's good. It's a show that made me fall in love with Melissa McCarthy, and it's got a lot of your stereotypical American sitcom tropes in it. But what I what it hits me home the most because it has a lot of heart to it at the same time. About these two overweight people who meet each other at a Overeaters Anonymous group. They fall in love and get married, and you see this developing relationship. And I guess I get a little envious. I'm gonna be a little missy eye talking about it. Just how seeing this process of two people falling in love and finding each other, two perfect people, and put up each other's craziness. It, it's something you really want to aspire to. And it, it's been getting reruns again too. And I, my dad's been watching it. And I, one of the things I look forward to watching while I'm eating dinner with my dad is. Watching this, I love so many. And uh, of all the sitcoms that come and go in America in the last few years, this is one of the ones I love the most. 
it didn't have a very, very big run because they only had like five seasons and most McCarthy essentially blew up from that show. Mm-hmm. And she, she just kills it on that show. And the whole <laughs> cast, the whole cast is great actually. Mm-hmm. So if you can find that one, look it up. It's good. Definitely. I will be writing that down. What is your number seven? My number seven is Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. To be to be the new vegan. Hey, Melissa, I don't watch Game of Thrones. <gasps> that was okay. <laughs> Joe, you ever hear the meme that came out right before this new season started? A woman chases down an ice cream truck. Uh, out of breath, she approaches the window. The ice cream vendor asks her, hey, what can I get you, lady? What's wrong? What can I get you? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to let you know I don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't freak out when people are like, yeah, I don't watch it. It's like, it's okay. I've, oh, I've I'm, hoping of, that, I'm hoping Netflix picks it up. Yeah. I just, um, like, I just got the Crave TV. And that has the recent Game of Thrones episodes, so like I could catch up on those. Um, because I'm always having to wait, like I watch a season and then I have to wait till it, for it to come out in DVD. So like that's you know it's like basically an eternity. So that's kind of how I've been watching it, and I just like I, I love the show, and I've you know I've gotten into it, and uh, yeah. You know, gotten to the point where you get excited over character, specific characters dying, and it's just like, yes, it's like beautiful moment. You know, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been told about it for a long time, and it, I've, I've always wanted to try to watch it, and I'm, I'm hoping I don't want to spend the money on the DVDs anymore. Excuse me, but uh, I'm hoping once Netflix loses their Disney and Marvel content, I was talking to a guy at work this. Game of Thrones would be a huge get for Netflix because they're going to have to find something to fill that gap when they lose all their Disney stuff mm-hmm. coming up here. So I'm hoping Game of Thrones is on that list. Yeah. Because that would be a huge get for them. Mm-hmm. I know you can get on Hulu, but you have to have the HBO upgrade on it. Yeah. My number seven is a total tonal shift, though. Oh, yeah. My number seven is Alf. Oh, <laughs> see, I've n- I know of it. I kind of know what it's about, but I have not seen it. It's a uh, it's a mo- uh, show that dates back to my childhood, and I got a lot of sentimental attachments to it. Uh, growing up watching, my dad would record. My dad had like nine blank tapes of Alf episodes recorded. It just it's a, it's. I love that puppet stuff and the interaction with the human characters and just a good overall. It's a good 80s show. Mm-hmm. 80s have 80s produced a lot of good sitcoms like that. And Alpha is just a, a very sentimental one to me because it's me growing up and all the good times watching it with my family. And I still like to pop it on every now and then. Mm-hmm. Watch your number six. My number six is Broadchurch. And this is a British TV show. Broadchurch? Yeah, Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. It's the, the place na- like the place where everything takes place. 
And it's basically um, the first series starts out with a um, couple crimes being committed, and it's basically like the community coming together and trying to like figure out this uh, the case and stuff. And then you have like the courtroom proceedings and all this kind of stuff. And it's a really well done show. Like it's just it's not it's not your typical kind of like crime show where you kind of know what's going to happen or whatever it's very well done very well written and and the characters are great like it's got uh david tennant who was in he's in doctor who and and very recently now he's in good omens um i've seen that advertised yeah i've seen the first episode of it and it's fairly quirky i kind of like it i want to continue it's a a neil game it's a neil gaiman project so you know it's gonna be really well written yeah, I also I bought the book too that it's based on, so I want to read that and see how it kind of compares. Um, but yeah, David Tennant, Olivia Coleman, who's also been in Doctor Who, um, but it was she was also in um, uh, Hot Fuzz. She was Hot one of Fuzz. she was one of the PCs in that. In um, oh, what's the the I can't remember the small village name that they that. They send Simon Pegg's character to. I'm blanking on it. It's blanking on me too, Bats, but yeah. only because because Hot Fuzz is my least favorite of the three. I like it, but it's my least favorite of the three. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement on that one. But yeah, but it's like a solid cast, and it's uh, yeah, it's well done. So yeah, I really like Broad Church. Yeah, that was my number six. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to comedy again because that's mostly where mine go. My number six is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm not usually a fan of some of the shock humor, but unless it's done well. And it's one of the few American sitcoms or comedy shows that does like that shock humor and does it well. And have you watched any of it at all before? I, I have not, no. Well, I, kn- is- I know of it, but... Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's been on for years. I didn't really get onto it until about a year or two ago. I'd seen episodes before and thought it was funny, but this is a show I just recently got into. And if I need some background noise on, I will throw this on or I'll throw my number five show on on Hulu. But uh, it's really well done. And after even the first season without Danny DeVito, it's still pretty hilarious. And some of this. It's this group of five people. You always see the Venn diagram of shows on Facebook where it says, uh, I don't remember the name of the diagram, but it says it shows like show about smart people for stupid people. And it shows the Big Bang Theory, a show about stupid people for smart people. And they usually show it's always sunny in Philadelphia. These people aren't the brightest. They get all these really like nefarious schemes to do stuff like these. All five are really horrible people. But some of the some of the the situations they get into is always funny, and I won't spoil too much for you unless you want to get into it. But one of the, they have a running gag at one of the characters is gay, and he finally comes out. I think they're going into season fourteen now, but I think in season twelve he finally comes out, and I think they approach it in a really a really good way. Like they don't, he's not very flamboyant or. They don't rip on him. They're like, oh, we're happy for him. He finally came out. And they, like, there's a running gag they tease that he is and he denies it. And then 
but I think they do a re- really well job of approaching topics like that. But over, it's one of those things where you you feel bad at yourself for laughing at some of the shit they do in it. But it it's a pretty damn funny show. Hmm. I'll just have to check that one out too. My list is growing ever longer. Yeah. <laughs> Things to watch. <laughs> well, it's an it's an FX show. I have it on Hulu down here in the states, but I know FX has their own service too called FXX. I think it's that's their. Well, I know they have a channel like that, but I think they have their own service too. I don't know what they'd have up there in Canada for you. I think but. there is an FX Canada. Because I, I distinctly remember it because I, um, a local actor from who's from Thunder Bay, Kevin Durand, um, he was in, uh, oh, what was it, uh, The Strain, and that was on, strange. yeah, that was on FX Canada, or like FX, but it was also on there, so yeah, I remember that, because I, I follow him on social media, so I remember him, you know, talking about it, so. Yeah. So, what is your number five? My number five, keeping with the theme of like British TV, <laughs> is uh, Father Brown. I was thinking of Black Adder for some reason, or Father Ted. I want to see those. I've I have a friend who lives in uh, Ellesmereport, and uh, he loves those like you know British. TV shows and stuff, and he's told me you have to watch these, and so yeah. Um, but yeah, Father Brown. It's basically this uh, the character Father Brown. He's he gets himself into solving crimes, and he's very much like this very observant person, and not so much like a Sherlock Holmes level, but like he's very observant, and he he figures out the the crimes and stuff and he helps the police and sometimes they're like you know we're thorn and you know he's a thorn on our side and whatever but then they end up kind of asking him for help and and um and it, it circles around um a little town and i can't remember the name of it for life of me but it's just like little town and they're all kind of everybody knows everybody and yeah it's a really really good show you find some good shows that come out of britain I found one. I, I never finished it, but it's called Psychoville. Okay. It's it was really off the radar. <laughs> it's something else. <laughs> I didn't want to. I wanted to watch that show that Nick Frost was on. But I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head though. I remember him talking about an ID ten T. Or back when it was Nerdist, he was talking about it. But yeah. Well, I, I listened to that episode and I can't remember either. But yeah, I think he only did one series of it. Yeah, at the time of that recording. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my number five comes from your country. I think you know what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I got I got to tell you guys at home a little side story about my favorite show. Did you hear about Ginger in the Boots? Or they <laughs> fucked an ostrich. <laughs> And if those of you at home have understood that reference of my number five show is, of course, Letterkenny. <laughs> I got introduced to this show back in February, and I am a fan of this freaking show. <laughs> it is. I love the quirky Canadian humor. 
and I've gone on record saying I love Trailer Park Boys, but this is written so much better than Trailer Park Boys. And the fact that the humor is so quick, so witty, and legitimately funny, and a lot of the supporting characters, you know, Melissa and I have discussed, like, we have our issues with some of the supporting characters, but just because some of them, you don't know what they really want to do with some of them, or they don't know which directions to take some of the characters in, or have, or find something for the characters to do. But a lot of the main supporting characters are really strong in this, and the show is well-written, and it keeps... With the exception of the holiday episodes and then the seasons, it keeps a good continuity too, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, the show is so well written and so funny, and you find some most obscure things. Like, for, I think one of the things me and Melissa laughed over was the coat hangers in the agriculture hall. You never think that somebody moving coat hangers would be so funny. Yeah. Until you see some guy get so frustrated that he you spend almost two minutes watching him walk coat hangers from one side of a, a hall to another and just laugh out loud the whole time. Yeah. That is like the most, I, I busted a gut laughing because that just was so relatable. Like these people who can't make a decision to save their life. And then he's finally like, okay, I've had it. I'm going to do this myself and it's going to get done. And <laughs> I relate so much to that because, you know, we'd be in those situations where, like, people can't make a decision and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do it and that's it. So, yeah, that one's... And all of us that have grown up in a small town can relate to the show in one way or another because it's a show that takes place in a small town in Canada, in Ontario, fictional town in Ontario, and it's all your different social types of... You got your hicks, you got your skids who are the meth heads, and you got your hockey players who are supposed to be like your dumb jocks which even those characters they get in they're annoying when they first bring them in this show but then after you go on this a season six they start to give these characters a little more depth too to them but uh it's just an overall well-written show and this show is caught on like wildfire down here in the states like i'm wearing a letter kenny shirt right now as we speak <laughs> with the ostrich on it it says allegedly <laughs> yes. Oh, well, so what is your what is your number four favorite? <laughs> uh, this is hilarious, actually. My number four is wait for it, Letter Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> It was gonna be my it was gonna be my number five and I'm like no it's gotta be at least in like top four for me at least. So it, it was yeah. my number four. It was my number four. Yeah, so I made that my number four, so that that's hilarious. Yeah. It is so good. The you know, like the the strictly like Canadian references in there just I busted that laugh because like we know what all you know all these things are in the different you know, terms and things for stuff that we you know we call things differently here, and it's just so good, so quick and witty, and yeah, you, you gotta love all the characters. I've, I've tried the old dress chips, not my thing. No, they're not. They're not my thing either. I think like the most like the Canadian potato chips that I like definitely are ketchup. 
We don't have ketchup. I did see crispy taco chips yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't had tacos till you've gone to L.A. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Go hiking in L.A. L.A. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's hot. It's hot. It gets hot in LA. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast, you had not watched Letterkenny. If you have a Hulu subscription, pause this podcast, watch Letterkenny. It's so hard to introduce, I think, Canadian shows to American audiences. I think this is one where people just like latch onto it right away. And it's like those, the first two minutes of that first episode when it's the Hicks and the hockey players chirping back and forth at each other. <laughs> and they're going so forth at each other. <laughs> this is keeps you on your toes. Yeah, definitely. All right. My number four, which I will admit this show has fallen victim to my not having cable anymore. So I didn't get to finish all the seasons of it, but it's comic book men. Oh, okay. It's a show. If you're not familiar, it takes place in Kevin Smith's comic book store in New Jersey, Jane saw Bob's secret stash and his friends actually run the store. And it came off of the tell him Steve Dave podcast, actually, uh, Brian Johnson, Walt Flanagan and uh, Q from practical jokers. Um, their podcast inspired this show. And it ran for seven seasons. And because of my whole uh, cable fiasco back when we talked about Melissa and the Walking Dead, um, I fell behind a comic book man. And the only way I can watch it now is on Amazon. And they, I do not have ways to do it. So I'm going to hopefully find another way to f- find it and watch, catch up on um, what I missed. But it had a lot of good episodes, mostly humor. Uh, following around the four guys that run the store, uh, Kevin Smith's friend Walt Flanagan actually runs his store in New Jersey to this day. Even though the show's off the air, Walt still runs the store in Jersey. And this is a highly entertaining show if you haven't seen it. And if you're into Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith does appear in the episodes mostly to tie, uh, it's it's like Pawn Stars, but with comic books and nerdy stuff. And they do the whole bidding back and forth between the customer and Walt and all that stuff. <laughs> but it, but they don't. But the, what I've heard them talk about on podcasts before is they don't focus too much on the item or the person bringing the item in. They just want to. They have a discussion about the somebody brings in Detective Comics twenty seven, and they'll talk about it briefly. But they won't. They won't go into the backstory of the woman bringing it in they just talk about the comic and they'll talk about their memories of the comic and then then the rest of the episode's filled with like a little funny side adventure the guys do mm. well comic book men's my number four sounds like a great show it is <laughs> so moving on to number three my number three is The Flash. Wait, wait, wait. You hear that? We're on the same page. My number three is also The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> didn't, didn't mean to catch off with the past, but might as well. Might as well spoil the lead here. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's such a like I like recently got into it and I like it's just a really great well-written show. Um I love all the characters. Like there honestly there isn't a character I don't like. Sometimes like you find that there's a character that's kind of like Eh, you don't like him or whatever, but it seems Iris catches the most bullets. It seems on that show. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really understand why. Like I've thought about it. Like I don't know how you can really dislike her. I don't know unless somebody can come up with a with a reasonable explanation as to why. But I, I think she's a really great character. I think she's she's strong in her own right. She's. Um, you know, all the, the stuff that she's been through and she's, you know, still this not really, like, she's not broken in any way. She's, you know, keeping going and it's just, she's an incredible character. So, yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, it, it does get a little bit wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey, Doctor Who reference. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll take your word for that. It just... You know how timelines get all muddled up and things like that, but yeah, no, it's a it's a great show. Um, yeah, no no complaints over here, and it definitely deserves to be in my top three. I agree, and it's a. I didn't jump in, I think, until season two, and I found it on Hulu. And it's definitely my favorite show, the Arrowverse that they're establishing on CW. I think even though that may be coming to an end with arrow ending next year, um, or I'm not current on the most current season, season five, I'm waiting for Netflix to get it because I believe I know CW did not renew their contract with Netflix, but I believe they're, that they're going to be shopping all the shows around. And from what I heard on a pod, I can't remember which show, but I think the flash is staying on Netflix. Awesome. Which I hope it does, because that's definitely easiest for me. Um, me too. One of the, th- I think one of the things I love most about it too is that it pays homage to the '90s Flash with John Wesley Ship, who, if you watch the current Flash, he plays either Jay Garrick or he plays Barry's dad. But back in the '90s, he played the rich- he played Barry Allen back in the '90s. And they bring back a lot of the character actors from the 90s Flash, most notably Mark Hamill. They bring him back as the trickster. And Mark Hamill has made the trickster one of my, not only is Mark Hamill one of my favorite human beings ever, but he's made the trickster one of my favorite villains ever. And he's definitely an underrated villain. And they, I don't know how far along you are. What season are you on? Uh, season, uh, season four. Well, if I, if I may, season four, they bring back the trickster sidekick prank from, (laughs) from the, uh, original show. (laughs) We haven't seen Mark Hamill in three seasons, but I think he's busy filming some space movie or some doll movie. I can't remember. I I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know either. I've, I've never uh, heard of those. Hmm. Space movie will never catch on. No, it won't. No. Space movie. F- 2019. Nah. It's all about zombies now. Exactly. If it was a zombie space movie, it might be. 
Space movie? Eh. <laughs> it's it's a show I always looked forward to watching the next episode. And it it does have its heavy moments too, but I don't think it I don't think it carries the same weight as Doom Patrol does. But it also has the humor to break up those serious moments too, and it has those characters that can break up the serious moments, like Cisco and uh, depending on which Harrison Wells you get in different which season you're watching and I remember trolling Melissa when she was watching season one and she's ranting on Facebook about Harrison Wells. I go, is it Harrison Wells? <laughs> <laughs> it's Harrison Wells. <laughs> but is he? <laughs> Until she finally got the big reveal at the end of season one, spoilers, it's the reverse flash and <laughs> yeah. in, in Harrison Wells' body. <laughs> 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 so uh, I, I did get some enjoyment from teasing Melissa about Harrison, the big Harrison Wills switch up. <laughs> that that was certainly like mind blowing. And because and, of the because uh, of the Flash, I can call. I have a nickname for Melissa now. It's my super friend from the <laughs> musical episode. Yes, I didn't get into that musical episode, but I do like the song "Super Friend." I think that's yeah. adorable. So. I'm your super friend. <laughs> when she makes the reference about you can go back in time and give it another shot. I'm actually not supposed to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it's such a of all the Arrowverse shows, it's so well done. And Grant Gustin just nailed Barry. Uh, he, He's got that lighthearted, oh, this is fun to be a superhero. And then Barry does have those moments where he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. And you do see that with Grant Gustin's acting. And the only time, if I could only pick one moment where he was uncharacteristically like over the top, I would say is when they introduced season four with the thinker and he automatically dibs Ralph as a, a villain. Yeah. That seemed a little too over the top for me. That he's just like it doesn't seem like Barry to hold that kind of grudge like that because it seems so uncharacteristically of him. But one of the Flash's aspects is he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders, and Grant Gustin portrays that so well in his performance. He feels so much remorse for doing what he does, and he can't say he wants to save everyone, but he can't. And it's so well acted, and I see why people want him in as the Flash in the DCEU, which I would sign, but I also like Ezra Miller, too. <laughs> uh, I, I would, yeah, I'd probably vote Grant Gustin for that one. Yeah. Honestly, like, he just, yeah, like, his ability, like you said, to, you know, to have this, like, lighthearted guy who's like, oh, it's fun to be this character, and then or the, you know, be the superhero, and then to have that whole like heaviness and sort of a bit of darkness to him is just incredible. Like just how he 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 transitions that, and it's just great. I really think the only thing we haven't seen eye to eye on is uh, Captain Cold. Yeah, I lo- I, th- I love Captain Cold, and Melissa doesn't, and it's okay. Yeah, I I love with Miller's depiction of him. And I love how they stay true to the character, but he has his honor amongst thieves, is what it's called. He doesn't want to kill women and children, 
he just wants to rob for the sake of robbing. And if he has to help Barry, he will. If it if it keeps Barry off his tail, then he'll help Barry. He's not going to draw attention to himself. I think he's brought it up in the episode with Top and Mirror Master. Why would we bring the Flash down on top of us? Oh, no, no, it's the Christmas episode with Trickster and Weather Wizard. Yeah. And he rats them out, and he goes, why would I bring the Flash down on top of us? Yeah. I like I I do like his line, and it was when they were um, dealing with the the what was it? They had to go down into that the lab, not lab, or was it? Um, and then they were going to the room with the shark head, the shark man. Oh, when they were at uh, when they were at uh, Argus, and they had to go get yeah. King Shark. Yeah, King Shark. That's it. And he's like, oh, they have to. What was the three things? Um, oh, create the create the plan, implement assume, the plan, and then throw away the plan. The plan. <laughs> assume the plan will fail and throw the plan away. Yeah, assume the plan will fail and go off the rails and then throw the plan away. Like I love that. <laughs> See, like there's some parts of Captain Cold that I don't mind, but overall he's not really my favorite. I don't know. He's he's definitely yeah. It's not my favorite. And I, I like what the Flash show too that we're also getting some of these random villains like the Trickster, like the like. Well, I'd say the Flash is second to Batman when it comes to having the best Rogues Gallery with the Mirror Master, the Trickster, uh, the Thinker, uh, Reverse Flash, um, Mirror Master, Top, Abracadabra, mm-hmm. a Gorilla Grodd. Even King Shark, um, just throwing these random villains in there, and so this will work. Why? Like, why haven't we seen Gorilla Grodd in a movie yet? Why haven't we seen King Shark? Well, I think we might be getting King Shark in the next Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love to see Gorilla Grodd in a in a movie. And it's so well done, and we yeah. got to go to Gorilla City for crying out loud in an episode. Yeah. If I had to strike up any big strikes against the flash it would be how quickly they burn through storylines with uh no pun intended how quickly they go through like flashpoint or yeah stuff like that how because flashpoint was something that changed the entire dc world mm-hmm. and they wiped it up in what one or two episodes so yeah i was really hoping that they would have like dug into that more because yeah it was such a like an iconic point and they could have done so much more with it, and they just yeah they ripped well, through it. And their hands are their hands are tied a little bit because when we say it implements the whole DC universe, it affects literally every hero, every person in the DC world. So they don't have they couldn't use Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. But it would be nice to see at least them implement some of the things from the Flashpoint according to the Flash, like. Could we have seen Sizz and Cold, where Captain Cold is the hero of Central City, or seen some of the other things that directly are affected in the Flash's world, other than just him changing the timeline and uh, undoing things that were done that day? Well, some of the things did have an effect in the in the universe in the show afterwards, but it would have like I would have like just maybe a little more honesty to the, the storyline to serve a little more justice to the to the movie or to the, the storylines yeah I, I agree with that definitely well what is your 
number two. My number two is Doom Patrol. <laughs> Doom Patrol, all right. What the fuck? <laughs> I know, we got like the same... It's See, funny, we, we both have shows in our top five that we have not seen every episode of. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well number one. You've, you've, seen every, you've seen every episode you have available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still still waiting on the, like, I'm, I'm really glad that I do, you get them every Friday. So... I didn't get to watch the most recent one. I was planning on it today, but I totally didn't do that. So I still have to watch that one. You're but... too busy pouting that I was watching Swamp Thing and you weren't. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I get I get a reply on Snapchat. I'm just going to watch Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to talk Swamp Thing. Oh wait, I can't. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Doom Patrol is a good show. It it, it may it makes my monthly subscription to DC Universe worth it. Yeah, I I love it because it's just it is so yeah the the like the misfit characters and yeah it's just so and it can get so weird but it's still good and then it keeps getting weirder and weirder as it goes along and yeah I I love it. It raises the stakes and weirdness. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> Especially like the yeah the Grant Wilson ones. It's like Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, that's it. Sorry, I, I'm getting Grant Wilson off. is Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters. Sorry, I'm gonna tell him you said that in Michigan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she God. called you Grant Morrison. <laughs> you probably know who he is. He's he's a nerdy guy. So. Is it that weird dude from Scotland that writes all those weird comic books? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> My number two is Impractical Jokers. This is a show going back to my days of turning the cable off. I started watching just before I turned my cable off back in 2011, 2012. And I stayed away from it because I thought it was a knockoff of Jackass. And then when I sat down and actually watched it, I find it so much more funny. And it's for improv actors, and I'm a sucker for improv comedy. And if you haven't watched it, it's these four friends from, from school, and they'll put each other in these situations, and... For example, they will be at the mall and say, have you seen my wife? And the other three guys will give them clues or give them ways to describe their wife to see if somebody has seen their wife. Or my favorite one is they'll have these petitions they have to have people sign, but they don't know what's on the petitions until they flip the paperwork because the other three guys wrote the petitions for them. <laughs> like for example, like one of the most random ones was a guy had to get a petition signed that said "Allow whites in the military." <laughs> <laughs> just random <laughs> shit like that, and they'll have and like a lot of the episode. And at the end of every episode, they have a loser whoever gets the most thumbs down. 
they have to do a punishment and the whole thing, if they don't do a punishment, then they get, they had made this agreement before they started the show that if they don't do a punishment and they're off the show <laughs> and watching these guys get punished is so hilarious. And I was glad I got to take my sister back in November to go see these guys live, do a live show. And it's so there, they, they don't do what they do in the show, but they just told stories, which I, I'm a sucker for that too. And Q from Practical Jokers is on the Tell Him Steve Dave podcast I've mentioned briefly already. And that's actually probably what drug me into the show is listening to him talk about it. And then I gave it a watch and I just fell in love with it. And if you like that kind of improv comedy where guys are like thinking on the fly and the challenging sort of do like do and say the most random things, it's worth a watch. <laughs> Definitely sounds good. It remind the kind of reminds me of um, uh, just for last gags. I haven't heard of that one. It's it's a Canadian show and it's it was like it's maybe a little more innocent than like Impractical Jokers, but it's these like different um, like pranks or whatever that these people will pull and they'll kind of show you what they've done. Like set it up, and then they, you know, have regular people that are just like walking through or whatever, be involved in it, and they're like, it could be they're like freaking out over this, and and then they finally like they show, oh, there's a camera, it was like a setup, and it's quite funny. You probably find it easily on like YouTube or something. Like, it's what's it called again? Just for laughs, gags. Just for laughs, gags. Yeah. Writing it down. So what is your favorite live-action television show of all time? Would you like to guess? Would I like to guess? Hmm. I want to say what. I want to say when. I want to say how. (laughs) I think I'm going to say when. Is it Doctor Who? Yes. <laughs> Doctor Who is my number one uh, live action TV show. Absolute favorite. Yeah, I've loved this show since 2005 when it um, it kind of not really rebooted, but it came back um, because it had started in 1963. And it okay. went for... About what? Did uh this show debut the year Kennedy was assassinated, or did it debut the day he was assassinated? I'm not sure. I know Kennedy. I know it's random. Kennedy was assassinated in '63. I couldn't remember if Doctor Who debuted not that long around that time. Yeah, not sure. But yeah, so, it, it went on from from there. Who was the first Doctor you watched? First Doctor I watched was, well, in 2005. And that was Christopher Eccleston. And he was the ninth Doctor. Because there's uh, 13 incarnations now. And um, yeah, n- nine was the season one. And then nine, ten... 11, 12, now 13. And, um, yeah, I, I loved it. 
it 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 did take me a while initially to get like into it because it was really kind of it was different. But once you get into it, it was uh, it's really really good. And I've been watching for now fourteen years. It's hard to believe, but <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's it's such a good show. And a quick spoiler alert, guys. Uh, Melissa's kind of giving me the broad strokes right now because the preview of our next episode, episode three, I haven't watched Doctor Who. So next episode, Melissa is going to take me to school on Doctor Who and give me an in-depth conversation. So if you're sitting there thinking that, oh, she loves the show so much and she's kind of holding back talking about it, this is why Melissa's going to tell me all, teach me all about Doctor Who in our next episode. Yeah, it's going to take a whole episode to to educate you on on Doctor Who, but by the end of it, you'll get you'll get it, and then you'll also understand my references when I make them because you know I make them constantly. So, yeah, I want to get into it more, but I'm going to hold back until episode three. So we will find out more. We will. I'm going to do some research behind her back before that episode. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> cheating. That's <is> so cheating. <laughs> hey, I knew about the pirated broadcast and you didn't. <laughs> Thinking that was an American thing. So, yeah. Okay. My, num- anyway. My number one is from Canada. It's a sketch comedy show called The Kids in the Hall. Oh, okay. You watched it? I haven't seen it, but I know. I know of it. It's French where Dave Dave Foley got his start. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this takes place in like the late eight late eighties, early nineties, and what I mentioned about it living color at the time, some of its humor and references being stuck in the time frame. I don't think the kids in the hall suffers from that just because they don't make a lot of eighties, nineties specific references and um I say it's like a perfect comedy. It's got an SNL tongue-in-cheek humor, but it's not afraid to take some of those uh, jabs that Monty Python did. They do the cross-dressing too, which is actually pretty great. It's actually pretty funny. But um, they probably won't have as many memorable characters that you would know of as opposed to an SNL show or Living Color or Monty Python. But if you love... Uh, like a letter Kenny style quirky humor mixed with in a sketch comedy format kids in the hall is just perfect. And a lot of the guys, when all five of the guys had pretty fairly well, good careers afterwards, uh, Dave Foley's probably well known the most of the five guys. And they would go on to do a movie after that called brain candy, which I should get Melissa to watch. It's a great movie, very underrated. And then, uh, they also did another miniseries back in the mid-2000s called Death Comes to Town, which was like an eight-episode miniseries, which was pretty funny, with the five of those guys playing multiple characters, and it's a big whodunit type of mystery thing it, it, with lots of humor uh, spilled in. But if you, if you love a quirky humor in a sketch comedy format, I definitely recommend this. It's got a lot of good... Mo- they have characters that get monologues. They have sketches... And you don't get bored with it. And some running gags in there. And if you get the quirky humor, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Death Comes to Town either, and I I know of it though. I know um, of it, and it's I it was on my list of things to watch, but you know you get distracted by other things, and just how it goes, you know. So much <laughs> so much content, not enough time to watch it. Yeah. We're too busy living our lives, I guess. That's exactly it. <laughs> Almost another episode in the books. Yep. Another another climb. And you know what? I like a good long podcast. I don't know about you. I do so too. I, I guess we're hitting you with a couple long episodes right off the bat, and I'm assuming the next two or three are gonna be pretty long too. <laughs> and you know what this these next two episodes focus around our co ambassador Melissa. She's gonna be taking the reins for these next two. Are you excited? You ready to take control now? Oh, I'm super excited. Especially, especially excited for Doctor Who because that's you know, it's my thing. So, yeah, like I didn't even have to when I when I created that. I didn't have to like research at all. I just there you go. And believe it or not, this was my idea. The topic was my idea. I'm like, you know, how about find something I don't I don't know about Doctor Who. Teach me about Doctor Who. So. Maybe someday we can think of something I know more about than you do, and we'll do another go take a another schools and session, a, a 101 class, if you will. Well, that'll uh, be fair. I take you to school on, with Doctor Who, and you gotta teach me about something. So we'll think of something. I'll rack my brain and see if you know about something. Maybe, uh, maybe about gaming channels or something, or. Some gaming. I'm not a huge gamer, but we'll find, I'm sure we'll find something. Yeah. Um, one thing we forgot to mention in our last episode is we we're giving special thanks to people that inspired us, but we forgot to mention a very pivotal player in this episode, this podcast, and that's my good friend Alan Owen, who is a voice actor. He's a good friend who did majority of the audio you hear in our opening intro. And Alan, we appreciate what you've done for us and help, reaching out and helping a friend in need. And if you guys, anybody out there needs uh, voice acting work done, please reach out to Alan Owen, voice acting on Facebook. Find him, use him. He is great. I highly recommend him. Uh, me and Melissa both love the work he done. I wrote up some script for him and he had to me and couple hours ready to go you will not be you will not be disappointed in the work he does and i cannot praise him enough for what he did for us and um i want to thank everybody for tuning in again and hopefully you'll stick around for episode three when we i learn all about dr who and melissa teaches me about dr who uh we'll see any parting words for our friends where can they find you at on social media? Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at, Melissa, at Miss Melissa N. And it's capital M-I-S-S underscore capital M-E-L-I-S-S-A capital N. And put it all together, Miss Melissa N. You could also just search my name, Melissa Nicholson. You can easily find me there and give me a follow. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram at the same uh, same handle as Twitter, except this is all lowercase. 
and it's M-I-S-S underscore Melissa underscore N, and it's all lowercase. And that's where you can find me. All right, and you can find me on the tweets and Instagrams at QCA Mr. J. All yeah, you'll just type it in, you'll find me. And something else, another thing I guess you can find me on, I should have mentioned last time, was you can find me on Viddy Space and Amazon Prime on behind the camera on Breaking Frequencies with Ghost Cryer, paranormal show. I'm the cameraman for that show. So if you're into the paranormal, be sure to give that show a watch. That's how me and Melissa actually met. And our bond became uh, thick as thieves after that. Uh, you can also find us at Facebook and Twitter at Nerd United Nations Podcast. Uh, send us a tweet. Let us know how we're doing. If you're going to hate on us, uh, keep it gentle, please. <laughs> uh, I have a very soft and fragile ego. <laughs> um, or just throw up suggestions for a podcast for a topic for us. We're open to anything. If we don't know anything about it, we'll do a research or we'll fake our way through it if we have to. We're open to anything. And that's something you're going to find in earlier podcasts. We're very open-minded nerds. You're like-minded here. And we thank you again for listening, tuning into us. I hope you come back and join us again. We learn about Doctor Who. And as we are going to end every episode, to quote the great Gilbert Lowe, we're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. See you later, guys. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>